Hey cuties, welcome to Cup of Joy the podcast, created to jumpstart your joy, supersize your soul, and provide a sweet space for your own personal growth. I'm your host, Heidi B, certified food and body coach, life coach, personal trainer, and owner of Joyfully Be, where I'm obsessed with helping people win the food and body battle and reclaim their joy. I'll share with you stories of people who have shifted their junk to joy and struggles into celebrations to live a life that they love. Each episode is guaranteed to light and lift you up. Because on this show, we'll talk truth about topics that block us from living our best life, how to make your body your bestie, and tons of tasty tidbits to make your own cup of joy overflow. Believe it or not, I once lost my joy, but now it's back, and I'm here to help you find yours on the daily. As my mama bee always says, it's time to put a smile on your face and joy in your heart. Ready to start? Let's jam. All right. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Cup of Joy, the podcast. I have an incredible guest for you today, and I'm going to let you know everything about her before we get started because her bio is absolutely stunning. Today, I have Chrissy Marie. She is a certified spiral practitioner, inner child alchemy coach, breathwork facilitator, and advanced biodynamic resource practitioner. She's passionate about helping women grow up their inner people pleaser, come out of the spiritual closet, and take themselves way less serious and way more love. Chrissy is the founder of the Art of Aliveness podcast and the Sacred Essence Sisterhood, a powerful sanctuary for women looking to amplify their magic in community. She merges emotional clearing, spiritual teachings, embodiment practices, humor, and energy work to bring a safe, warm, and lighthearted flavor to deep inner healing. You can often find her crafting in the, crafting at the kitchen table, having ecstatic dance parties at her steering wheel, talking to herself, or wandering about outdoors. That perfectly describes you, Chrissy. Welcome to the podcast. Hearing it, it back, and I love just watching the smile on your face since I can see you as you're reading it. <laughs> it's so it's so so funny because a little bit of background for the listeners. I met Chrissy at an amazing women's empowerment event a couple of years ago. I think it was like a almost a year. Was it about a year ago? Year and a half? Yeah, I think like a year and a month now. Yeah, and we met in the bathroom. Everyone else had gone to back to their fancy hotel rooms to change, and she and I had packed our duffel bags and our high, our high heels or our I, mean, I think maybe a uh, comfy sandals, whatever it was. And we both had cute little rompers on, and, and it was like two two little joy bots hanging out in the bathroom. And I was like just immediately drawn to your energy, like immediately. I'm like, this woman is magic. She is just magic. And then. The more that I got to know you and you just, your essence, it, it truly, truly is everything that I just described and, and so much more. So thanks so much for being here today. Mm, thank you so much. It is an honor to be here. I'm really excited to, uh, to dive in. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, one of the things that, um, that popped up to the forefront that I think that we're really going to hit hard on today is that personal growth is not that serious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a message that everybody needs to hear because I know when I was, I, I'm a self-development junkie. I love this stuff. It's changed my life, flipped me upside down in so many great ways, caused me to dig deeper than I ever thought. But there's so much of it that is so light and so airy and not so serious and super silly. And if you don't include all parts of that, then you're doing yourself a disservice. 
So I'd love for you to just kind of give us a little bit of backstory, kind of who you are, where you're from. You know, you, you had a long history of people pleasing and, and personal development yourself. So if you can bring us on that journey and then lead us into why personal growth is not that serious, that would be incredible. Tell us about your journey. Yes, absolutely. <sighs> so I always like to start as um, I'm the oldest of five kids come from an Italian Irish Catholic background. So being the oldest, being the, the person that was wanting to grow up my um, younger siblings and changing diapers from the age of two, like essentially since I could start kind of functioning and getting the hang of things, I always loved trying new things. I always loved learning and being really independent. And I was a pretty quirky kid. Like I loved being outdoors and playing and singing to myself. And like, you could leave me alone for days. And this is still true. And I would thoroughly keep myself entertained. <laughs> I have That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So quarantine for me, just kind of um, nodding to where we're at, like as an introvert, as somebody who kind of dips into the introverted spectrum, I, I find that, you know, I'm finding lots to do with myself and lots to talk to myself about. But I, like most people, I came from a family lineage or family history of unprocessed pain. So growing up, you know, my parents weren't prepared for children and backlash and especially rebellious, odd children like myself. Um, as most parents aren't, right? Everybody's kind of learning as they go with parenthood. So they do the best that they can. Um, but I definitely experienced a lot of my own trauma growing up, a lot of physical abuse, emotional abuse, um, energetic like discord, like being able to know when something was, was off or upsetting another person, but not actually um, the other person didn't really have the communication skills to convey that. So struggling to connect deeply with my parents and the people around me, including friends. Um, so because I had that, that deep sense and that deep desire to connect at such a visceral, deep level with people, I found that I was kind of on the outside of a lot of circles growing up. I kind of wore the outsider mask. Um, because my communication skills weren't developed either. I didn't really have it modeled for me what it looks like to actually connect in a deep way. Mm -hmm. I was really, really good at holding space and listening. And so that's, that's what drew people to me is my ability to just hold a really safe, open, loving space. And that's how I knew to connect mm -hmm. with other people was just the ability to kind of hold that energy but I didn't know how to communicate and open my heart to other people. That felt really, really unsafe. So I also, with Outsider, as one of my masks, I developed this perfectionist, lone wolf, people pleaser persona where I wanted people to see me as calm and compelling and competent and like all of these mm. that I deemed as good and worthy of praise and value. And so because I, were you going to ask a question? I was, I was going to say, where do you think that those, or where do you know, I know, you know, where do you know that those pieces of you came from of where was it demonstrated that if I become, if I am calm, if I am, am these things, if I am perceived this way, 
then I'll receive exactly what I desire. Mm -hmm. So I got a lot of praise for good grades in school. That was, and that not just from parents, but the school system kind of sets kids up this way is you get praise for good grades. Mm -hmm. When I was, when I became upset as a child, I was often, my experience was that my feelings were not seen or validated. I was often told to not be so loud or I was being too dramatic or selfish or rude. And so I learned that if I can be calm, mm. then I can, you know, I'll receive connection. And there's a little caveat to that um, as I became older. As I became older at, into my teenage years, my inner rebel started coming out. And what I learned is that if I get really loud, if I get really disruptive, and this was only at home, nobody else saw this side of me. But if I get so disruptive, then my parents will see me and understand that Chrissy's not okay. So mm -hmm. that there's that other layer of then I became afraid of my own anger and afraid to show my anger because there was almost no middle ground for me. It was like if I was just crying or emotional, that wasn't acknowledged. But if I was being like girl on fire, throwing things, then people understood, oh, okay, she's upset. So, so yeah. that, there's that piece too. But a lot of the praise I got more often was, I didn't get praise for that. I got attention for it, but not praise. The praise was, oh, Chrissy, um, she's so calm and she's, she's so composed. And I started hearing that from friends, like, oh, Chrissy's so calm. Chrissy's got her shit together. And that felt good for me. It was like, oh, I belong to the tribe. People value that in me. And I wanted to be valued, you know, growing up, we want to be valued. So I that's so, that's so, that's so, so beautiful. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because I had a similar experience and I, just so people get different tastes of what this looks like, it comes up in different areas and you just start to adjust. When I got into the uh, personal training world of things, people started to say, oh, you're so committed to your workouts. You should be a trainer wow, good job. And they didn't see all the stuff that was happening behind the scenes, but it created this part of me that felt like you said, valued mm. by that part of me. And so I grew that part of my mask versus actually showing the part of me that I was most proud of because other people were responding to this piece of me that they admired Mm -hmm. and that they look up to and that they saw value in. And so we just start to almost chameleonize ourselves into these, these, these beings that are just trying to get our needs met in mm -hmm. any way we possibly can. Yeah. Perfectly said, perfectly said. Yeah. And that kind of rolled and rippled out into the rest of my life where I was really, really good at understanding and picking up on what people wanted from me. And then giving them that version of me, like giving them that. Um, and a big piece of that was rooted in my belief that pain is dangerous, discomfort is dangerous, and not just other people's discomfort, but it's my own discomfort. So I started, this is often, I believe, why people people please. A big reason why people people please is because they don't feel safe or they don't have the tools to navigate discomfort. So if somebody else gets uncomfortable because you're speaking a truth or you're expressing yourself in a way that is unfamiliar to them and that triggers something within them, 
and you feel that discomfort, if you don't have tools or ways of being with that mentally, emotionally, and energetically, human nature is to run from things that are unfamiliar and feel unsafe. So most people run from their authentic truth, from their joy, from their bliss, even because it can make other people feel uncomfortable. And yeah. then, the tr and then that triggers your own discomfort. And if you don't know what to do with your own discomfort, then of course, you're just going to keep pushing it down. And it creates this, I call it emotional constipation. It's yes, that's, a, that's what I call it too. Emotional constipation. Yeah, we, I just did a live the other day and, I, and the title was, um, do you need to take an emotional dump? And I related it back to like, it can be that you're stopped up and you need to literally like digest it through and then let it out or taking out the trash. Like if you leave the trash in your house and you never take it out, it's going to stank. <laughs> Yes. it's not going to be good. We got to take out the trash sometimes and we forget to take out the trash. So I love that emotional dump as far as people pleasing. And I know that you, that you probably guide so many of your clients and your groups of beautiful people through that process of how to navigate through the discomfort. But what's, what's one thing that you could say to people right now, um, there's so many different elements to this, but what's one thing that somebody could do if they find themselves being a people pleaser? Mm. <sighs> so the, the first piece is to, I think I just want to normalize or typify that that's most of us. That's so common. And so the first thing that I want to um, note is like, it can be easy to go into self beat up and think that people pleasing is wrong. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to make sure people understand like it's not wrong. So if you notice that you're going into people pleasing, like watch out for further self beat up around that. Mm. Cause like, we don't, we don't need any more of that. <laughs> no more ju no judgment around it. It's just the, it's just taking note. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I'm doing that. <laughs> So the first thing that I, I generally guide clients into is just getting curious. So compassion first, if you notice, and then curiosity about what your, what did you learn about pain? Like what beliefs and conditioned thoughts are in your body and in your mind right now in relationship to pain and discomfort? Like what does pain mean to you? What are you afraid of happening? So just getting clear on like what you're looking to avoid, because often the, the, the things we're looking to avoid are stories that are, are not actually rooted in absolute truth. They're, mm. they're related to things that may have happened to us in the past, but don't necessarily predict what's going to happen to us in the future. So just starting to bring an awareness into like, what did I, what are the meanings that I've made about pain and discomfort and getting curious about that and seeing if, if those still hold up for you today. Mm. That's so good. That's so good. That's it's, it's, it's a tricky one. Like you said, it's not bad. It's just bringing, bringing awareness around it as well. Just some, some people don't even realize that that people pleaser is so deeply rooted. Mine stems far, 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 far back. And it's something that a lot of us are just conditioned. We've learned it. We've learned so many of these things from other people, right? We've learned how to be a people pleaser from our mom or our dad or, you know, a teacher that we had or a babysitter that we had or a sibling or a friend or whatever it was. And it's, it's, it's okay. It just came from a long, long journey. Yeah. Oh man. Well, let's bring it back to, um, gosh, this is so good. Let's bring it back to personal growth is not that serious. So how did you move from this kind of that lone wolfing phase in your life into this 
more developed version of yourself that just feels good in her own skin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love that. So, so a big piece of it was joining, investing in a spiritual development community. I was lone wolfing it for a really long time, like reading all the books, journaling all the journals, going to meditation classes here and there. And, and my investment, my energetic investment was high, but my monetary investment was low and my consistency was irregular, meaning that I would learn something. It would feel so good to have that new nugget of information. I get really high off of it and then I would feel good and I would stop the, the maintenance practices. I would stop doing the things that were supporting me. And because I didn't have any accountability or community that was motivating me to keep going, I would just kind of fall off the bandwagon over and over and over again and be like, "Why? Wow, I feel like I'm going nowhere or I feel like I'm back to square one. Or you search for the next thing. Or exa- exactly. Right? I would search for the next thing yeah. instead of actually absorbing the thing that I, that I was working before into my body and into my cells and reaping, reaping the most from it. So I, I paid for a membership program because I got an email. I was kind of at one of the, you know, when you're at your wall where you're at, like, you're feeling real low and you're like, <laughs> something's got to change. Yes. <laughs> uh, I was recently with a, a new partner who's now my husband and he went away for two weeks on a uh, military training. And I hit that wall where I was like, holy shit, I feel so codependent. I don't even know who I am. I feel like I have no anchor point in anything bigger than me. Like the relationship kind of felt like it was it. And now he's gone. And I was like, I need to, I need to strengthen my spiritual sovereignty. And I wasn't Mm. using that term at the time, but that's what I needed. I needed a connection to a higher purpose and I needed to be doing it for me, not anybody else. So signed up for that. It was game-changing life-changing, everything changed. (laughs) (laughs) I do really well with social accountability. I do really, really well. (laughs) Me too. Me too. We are (laughs) cut of the same mold. (laughs) So, so in that membership program, each month there was a theme and we would journey the theme together. And the themes that changed everything for me were the themes of um, inner child healing creativity and intuition. Mm, So beautiful. Mm -hmm. So what I realized is that I, in the spirit of trying to be right and make everyone happy and check all the boxes that I thought needed to be checked, I had disconnected from my own inner wisdom and my inner playfulness and my inner flow and my inner creativity, like everything that is necessary to activate internally in order to live a fulfilling life. I was just not prioritizing it at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I started prioritizing it because I was like, oh my gosh, this, it felt so good to start tapping back into those parts of me. I started dancing more, singing more. I asked myself, well, what are the things I love to do as a toddler, as a little girl? What are the things that I got lost in or really curious about? And then I started like plugging them into my calendar, like, all right, I'm going to go explore a new trail this week, or I'm going to go buy bubbles and blow them while I'm sitting on my Uh, I love bubbles. I am obsessed with bubbles, all sorts. (laughs) They're like the coolest thing ever. And we don't use them. Like we wait to have kids. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I don't know about you too. Like I, I, have you been seeing sidewalk chalk everywhere because of the, I, I mean, in, in, in our town, there's just people are using sidewalk chalk that like they've never used it before. And it almost brings me to tears. Like I want to order some sidewalk chalk on Amazon and start coloring again. In fact, now that we say that out loud, I'm going to do that for sure. Yes. But there's this, every time I walk past a playground and it's all taped up and barred up right now, I'm like, I just want, I have this urge to do a cartwheel. So I'm going to do a cartwheel today. That's my commitment to you. I'm going to go do cartwheels today. But there's this sense of that, that inner child, she just wants to play so hard. It's mm -hmm. like, we kind of feel like we're trapped up right now. We're stopped up. We can't, it's kind of like stomping your feet as a little kid. Like I can't do the things that I want to do right now. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, how can I infuse more play into my day? And I've, I've watched you share that so openly on your growth journey and on your coaching journey. It's, it's so beautiful to see that uh, for so many people, it can, it can look weird. Mm -hmm. It can feel weird. It can feel awkward. How did you make that part of you feel so welcome and so honored and so unjudged by what other people would see or think or feel? Yeah. Great question. I started just experimenting with it in private first. Like I had to be okay with doing it on my own personally before I started playing more out in public. And let's be honest, like I, if, if I go on a swing set and like really let myself go, there's definitely voices in the back of my head that are like, they think you're drunk or <laughs> she's day drinking at noon. Look at her swinging. <laughs> no, I'm just high and sober. I'm just high on life here. <laughs> so, I mean, that's still present for me. It's not gone. Um, but I definitely, it definitely got loosened up by just engaging in private play with myself mm. and letting that little girl feel safe within my own body to start exploring and showing up silly. Um, I started, when I started sharing on social media, and here's the thing, the interesting thing about sharing on social media, it's actually easy for, easier for me to share on social media than it is for me to just kind of do my own thing in public because people understand like, there's a way to curate your audience on social media. There's a context for it. You know, I'm like, Hey, I'm an inner child alchemist and we're going to play today. You know, right. People are prepared for that. People aren't prepared to see me, you know, like, <laughs> my feet up way in the air. And like, I liked when I swing, I like to like throw my head back, like, and go like pretty much vertical. Oh yeah. Me too. Me too. All the way, all the way underdog. Can somebody just get under there and like lift oh. me high? Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> But, but the key for me was, was giving myself that permission. And then the more I started sharing on social media, I started getting feedback that that was really nourishing for other people to see. So yes. then it became not just about, this isn't just for me, but I was like, oh, this is activating the essence of other people. This is raising the frequency and, and the idea of what's possible in other people's hearts and minds. I... I, there's a service, there's a need for this. Mm. And there's a part of me that's like etched into my DNA that's here to serve, right? And to, to show up and just allow my, my experience and my process to be permission for other people. So I started realizing, oh, my play is a permission slip as well. Yes. Whether or not people get it, you know, first and foremost, it's for me. And then there's a ripple effect that's really beautiful for those who are open to receiving it. Yes. 
Does that answer your question? Ah, that's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And honestly, that's one of the reasons why I reached out to you because I have seen you just, like I said earlier, you just show up and it's so nourishing for other people to see that it's okay to be yourself, Mm -hmm. that it's okay to let yourself be silly Mm -hmm. and it's okay to let yourself feel happiness one of the things that I have found in my coaching is that my framework includes, includes the P is permission. It's always permission because I was waiting when I was suffering from heartache and heartbreak after divorce. I was just waiting for somebody to give me permission to feel joy again. Mm-hmm. And what I didn't realize is I could give myself that permission. Yes. And so in this beautiful work where we get to help so many people find themselves again, and it's like, they get to give, I never give people permission. They give themselves permission to take the journey yes, and to grow. And so much of this work can be so heavy at times because we're really discovering and uncovering so many things that maybe we just didn't even have awareness around before. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, I didn't even know that was there, man. I didn't know I got that from my mom or from my dad or from my dog or whoever, (laughs) from the bully at school, from myself. I didn't know what that, all that, all that came from there. I didn't know that I yelled at my boyfriend the other day because I was feeling insecure from, you know, a a boyfriend that cheated on me back in high school Mm -hmm. Had nothing to do with him. Mm -hmm. But being able to do this work can be so deep and so powerful. But how do we make it not that serious? Yeah. How do we bring it back? (laughs) So I think one of the traps people fall into is thinking that they're unique in their shame, like thinking that they're special. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I must be the only person with this weird deviant thought, or I must be the only person (laughs) that doesn't want to be alive today, or I must be the only person that, you know, said that horrible thing to my sister. And it's like, one of the things that I've realized along the journey is that every single one of us has infinite layers of shame, guilt, deviance, like effed up thoughts constantly. <laughs> like, we are weird. Yeah. AF. Like we are so weird as human beings. We are so weird. It's like, that's not normalized enough. Yeah. I think people see on social media and just on surface level of so many of our relationships, like what people want us to see, they don't see all the weird stuff we Google or all the weird stuff we think about, (laughs) but it's there. Like, I swear if you did a data chart on like weirdest things humans have Googled in the last year, like we'd probably all be floored and relieved. Like, Oh, so true. That's so, so true. I can't, I can remember a day back at work where I don't know, I didn't, gosh, I wish I could, cause this is going to come off the wrong way, but I don't care. Um, I Googled something about balls. I don't know if I was looking for softballs or, but I don't know. I wasn't being dirty at all. And I had no idea the type of information that Googling balls, like, I think maybe even I Googled like big balls, like, let's be honest. It was something I was looking for something and it wasn't that. And I remember it coming over and being like, yeah. And I got this the blue screen of death. It's just like, you've been searching something you shouldn't be searching. And I was like, what do they think that I'm searching? And it was like this embarrassment and shame that washed over. Yeah. Even though it wasn't what it appeared to be and who cares? It may, even if it was what it appeared to be. Right. 
we have so much guilt, shame that mm-hmm. we almost like to own. Yeah. It's oh. almost like we want to put ourselves in a scenario where we're the only ones mm-hmm. because then we can play the victim card, right? Like, oh, yeah. I'm the only one that's ever gone through this. But the reality is, I don't know if you've been doing any of these virtual happy hours or just virtual gatherings or probably in your groups, you have meetings and meetups like on a regular basis um, in your circles. But Every time that I get on a, a group coaching call or a happy hour, once somebody opens up the can of worms, like, and it's almost always prefaced with, I can't believe that I'm going to tell you this, but we're already pre-shaming or you guys will never believe this was so stupid, right? We're telling the audience how they should view us mm-hmm. and then we expose it. And then everybody's like, oh my gosh, girl, I did that yesterday. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, uh, me too, me too, me too, me too. And then there's all these people that are now part of this new collective and the shame just quickly disappears. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, let's even, let's even just be honest about like who thought about for your listeners, because I did, who thought about going and Googling big balls, like right after (laughs) this, or maybe you've already opened up a new tab. (laughs) Talking to you, Nance. (laughs) I'll see you. Like, yeah, of course. And you know what's beautiful about that is like we are just innately curious beings. So most of our, <laughs> most of the stuff we deem as deviant is just curiosity that wasn't nurtured in childhood. That's all that is. It's like mm. we just wanted permission to explore and ask questions and and just experience life and in all of its edges and sensational glory and weird curiosities. Like, so that's like the first piece. Is like I'd love to. Just, to normalize that, like we are all weird. Okay. Mm -hmm. We all have shame. So the second I started, I started actually seeing that in real time. I went through a very, um, powerful embodied experience with Alexi Panos and her husband, Preston Smiles. Oh, beautiful. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. So that opened up my eyes. Um, and it really is uh, the bedrock, like the, the messages I received there are now the bedrock of like the, the messages that I share because I had a very visceral experience of seeing other people in their shame and realizing, Oh my gosh, we are so connected in our shame, but it's the one thing that really creates so much disconnection because we're, we're not taught how to talk about it. There's not a lot of safe spaces to bring it. Yeah, there are, that's the thing is there are, but like, they're not, it's not in the mainstream yet. Right. It's not the stuff you see on television or in the news. So, so that changed how I started relating to shame. The other thing that I think is important to note with um, not taking it so seriously is, is learning the nature of the change process. Most people don't understand the nature of change and growth because again, of the way we were schooled, like the traditional schooling system, we're taught and conditioned that growth is linear. There's boxes to check you can check the wrong ones and you can check the right ones. Yeah. I don't use right and wrong language anymore. I, I use like, this is either effective for my life force energy or it's not effective. It's either working or it's not working. It's just all feedback. Yes. So when I started really taking that principle on, I, I brought it to my personal development and I was like, Oh, I can't, there's no wrong or right way to do this. And it, if you feel like there's a wrong way to do it, it often goes back to what we talked about in the very beginning, which is 
you have some conditioning that pain is wrong or that darkness and heaviness is wrong. And as long as you stay enrolled in that belief, you'll always keep returning to that pain and that darkness more frequently because every time it shows up, it's showing up asking you to love it and embrace it and play with it. And that's mm. how you alchemize it and learn the lesson. You've got to be willing to actually lean in to the edge of that pain and hold space for it and get really curious about the darkness and the heaviness in order to actually receive the gift that's on the other side of that. Mm, that's so beautiful. I love what you said about the change process and dropping the good or bad. I know in the food and body world, so many people like to say that was a good food. That was a bad food. Mm. And I, I like to teach people or share with people that there's no good or bad or necessarily even right or wrong. You're just either responding to a to life in the way that is getting you closer to the version of yourself that you want to be or further away from. So whether it's what you put in your body, that thing is it getting, is that, and it could be, it's not that, you know, wine is good or bad, right? It's just like the intention behind it. Is this one glass or four glasses getting you closer to who you want to be or further away? And there's no judgment in it. It's okay. So I, I, I like, I love that you said that about the change process. It's really just like being able to create your own love language in a way that supports your being. Yeah. I love that example that you shared. And the other language piece or the other, I think, trap people might fall into is that they associate pleasure and like a sense of um, happiness with progress, like, but solely pleasure with progress. And they don't see um, the necessity of returning to the heaviness. In fact, like it's inevitable life is, and our emotions is cyclical. So whether we want to navigate it or face off with it or not, like we're going to bounce from pain to pleasure. And it's kind of like the hula hoop analogy that I've shared with you, which I can talk about. Um, mm -hmm. But pain and pleasure are part of the creative process. They're part of what it means to be human. And so one does not mean growth any more than the other. The way that I, um, the way that I like assess, like, am I moving towards the person that, you know, I desire to be is how much curiosity, compassion, and celebration can I bring to all of my sensory experiences, whether I perceive them to be uncomfortable or comfortable. Mm, that is so good. That is so, so, so good. I'm going to go back and listen to that 10 more times because that was spot on. Can you describe the hula hoop analogy? Um, because you did a live on this uh, maybe over a year ago. And the second, I think that I was learning this in my coaching practice and we call it um, emotional balancing or emotional resourcing, emotional resourcing. And as soon as you described it, I was having a hard time understanding it logically. And that's usually our number one problem is we're trying to just understand it in our brain instead of feel it in our bodies. Yeah. yeah. And then you painted the picture of the emotional hula hoop. So if you would, would describe that to people, I think it's just a beautiful way to understand how we are our beings. Yeah, absolutely. So the emotional hula hoop, it kind of came to me when I was running a workshop for joy about joy. And I brought it as um, a way to just play because my inner child enjoys hula hoops. And then it, I realized, oh, this is a teaching tool as well. 
And the way that I, the archetype or the symbolism that I use for the hula hoop is like that the circle of the hula hoop represents the cycles of pleasure and pain that humans experience throughout their life. It's the natural cycle of emotions. And if you think about how, when we use a hula hoop, we are cycling and, and rotating that hula hoop around our body, like all the way around. And it creates this beautiful fluidity, this beautiful dance that for me kind of represents the essence of what we are here for is to learn how to dance with pain and pleasure. And we all have this, we all have an emotional hula hoop that we're born with and we're, we're given it and we're like, this is, you know, this is going to be your tool for creating art and magic and fulfillment and, and learning in the world. And when <laughs> we're little, we know how to use the hula hoop um, organically. It's instinctual. We cry when we're upset. We laugh when we're happy and we rotate through that hula hoop pretty pretty frequently. Like if you watch a baby, they're crying, they're laughing, they're crying. Life is over. Life is great. You know, (laughs) they just do it. They can't even help it. But the second our frontal, the frontal parts of our brain start coming online and we start being able to use reason and logic more versus just the emotional parts of our brain, which are the, you know, the first parts to really develop. Once we start using logic, um, then we start taking in other people's energies and ideas of the world as our own. And most of us were taught that either we're too much when we're feeling our pain, like we're too loud, we're too aggressive, we're too obnoxious, we're too rude, we're too this, we're too that. And then we're also taught that we're too much in our joy. We're too loud. We're too obnoxious. Oh, <laughs> that's down. You're being arrogant. You're being yeah. selfish. And there's so many reasons for that. There's religious conditioning around pleasure and joy. There's societal conditioning. Either way, anytime we are, we start to rotate to the edge of the hula hoop and feel our feelings in their intensity, we get these subliminal messages from our society or our parents or our teachers or our friends that we're too much at the edge of our hula hoop. So we start to bring our body in closer and more narrow and we start getting more rigid because we're trying to control like, oh, okay, over here feels like too out of control. And on this side of the hula hoop, it feels too out of control. So we stop rotating ourselves and leaning into all of our experiences because we stop, we start so, so the, the piece here is that like, as we get older, the hula hoop gets bigger because our emotions get more nuanced. Like mm-hmm. joy becomes, it's not just joy and pain anymore. It's jealousy, embarrassment, pride, courage, like all of these nuanced emotions that we don't necessarily know intuitively and instinctually how to navigate like we did as babies with I'm hungry, I'm cold, I, you know, all of that stuff. Yeah. We need teachers. And if we don't have the teachers, we forget how to use the hula hoop. We forget how to lean into the edge of our experience and we stop dancing. We stop playing. We stop moving with the, the organic flow of our emotions and we get disconnected from our body, our intuition, and our creativity. So in order to learn how to use that hula hoop again and regain emotional fluidity and stability, We've got to be willing to look really silly. (laughs) If you've ever ever picked up a hula hoop and like never hula hooped before, it kind of looks ridiculous. You know, you're like wiggle a little bit. Like you got to take up space in order to use a hula hoop. You really got to take up space and move your hips and activate your lower chakras, which are the chakras that hold the most of our shame and guilt. So we tend not to move those in, in, you know, big ways. But in order to learn how to hula hoop and live a fulfilling life, we, we must 
be willing to look weird. And we also need to surround ourselves with people who know how to hula hoop and ask for help and find the teachers that we never had when we were little. So that's kind of the analogy of like, that's my story is like, I looked for people who knew how to hula hoop and I watched them and I asked them, Ooh, okay. So like when you're in pain, how do you move your energy? How do you hold sacred space for your discomfort? And then how do you hold space for your pleasure? Because both pleasure and pain feel really activating in the body. So most people are afraid, like they're like, I want joy. I want pleasure. I want connection and intimacy, but because it feels so edgy and because we have avoided our edges, we'll get joy and we'll get intimacy and then we'll just drop it or run from it or self-sabotage it because it's too much. We haven't learned how to lean and hold the lean and hold the sensation in the body. So Mm. uh, that's, that just kind of came to me when I was using the hula hoop. I was like, oh, there's so much here. It's so beautiful too, because that, that analogy will stick with me forever. Just the way that you described it. And it makes so, so much sense. And I love what you said about the hula hoop gets bigger because of that, you know, not really understanding all the emotions when we're little, we, we add on all these new elements of our, of our emotionality as we grow through life. So, so, so beautiful. Thank you for that. And I feel like you also just brought it full circle here because it was like, that's how you really embody who you are is by really reaching and moving and playing and opening up yourself to being seen. Even if you feel weird, like weird to me is one of the most empowering words now. It used to be like, oh no, I don't want to be weird. I don't want to be different. And now some of the girls that I coach with, we use hashtag weirdo Wednesdays. And the whole point of weirdo Wednesdays is to show up in ways that show people that it's okay to do things that other people might laugh at or might whatever. So we do lip syncs and we do dances and we do whatever. And it's just like, how can you be more weird? How can you infuse more weirdness into your day, more play into your day, less judgment on yourself? It's really like, we weren't worried when we were teeny tiny tots. We weren't worried when we were little guys, little girls, what we looked like like fear wasn't even really introduced yet until somebody said that you should be scared of that. Don't touch that. Don't do that. None of that curiosity was endless. Mm-hmm. Like, we, all of that. So we just get to go back to that play. One of the things that I, that I like to ask myself more often than not is how can you enjoy this moment more? Mm-hmm. And it goes both ways. One way is when you're in the most discomfort. And it doesn't mean that you're going to shift from discomfort to pure comfort. It doesn't mean you're going to shift from, from unhappiness to pure joy. What it means is how can I enjoy this moment more, feel less of what I'm feeling and feel more of what I desire. So if you're finding yourself, especially in these moments of just like annoyance and frustration, and you're filled with this, like you're on the go, 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 go. You want people to hurry up and get out of your way. I think of a moment when I was in a hurry to get a coffee one morning and the line was so long. And I remember being like, oh, this is so annoying. And then I said, Heidi, how can you enjoy this moment more right now? Mm -hmm. And I tuned into the music that they were playing and I swayed my hips a little bit. And just that little subtlety of enjoying this a little bit more made the fight against the time feel a little bit better. Mm. 
you know? I love that it was subtle. Yeah. That's another reason why people get so caught up in seriousness is they forget to celebrate the subtleties. And that's <sighs> the, one of, probably one of the biggest things that has changed my life is celebrating subtlety. <sighs> so I'm so glad you said that. Like just like a little hip wiggle or like even just what I just did there with my voice. Like I just kind of changed the inflection and it brought a different energy into my body. It brought a bit of lightness and silliness into my body. If you could watch me right now, I'm talking with my hands, you know, with T-Rex hands. <laughs> like, I'm, I get animated. So when I'm, for me personally, the way that I usually, if I'm feeling dull, is I'll bring just a smidgen of animation into my body. It's like whether it's like my face changes or I use a different voice or I like move a little bit, like that is so small, but it has such an, such an empowering effect because it brings you back into your body. It brings you back into your presence and it just like whoop, shifts the energy. Celebrate the subtleties. Celebrate the subtleties. That's so good. That's so, so good. And that is going to lead me to my two closing questions. But before I give you the two closing questions, because it will roll right in, how can people find you? How can they get more Chrissy in their life? Everyone should have so, so much of you filling up their soul and their life. You're so great. Where, where should they look for you? Mm. So my socials, you can find me on social, social media, which is, I just have to note that one time I held a breathwork class and I asked everybody to leave their socials in my planner and people thought that I meant their social security numbers. I was <laughs> silent and I was like, Instagram, face nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have even thought of that. That makes so much sense. Yeah, there was a deep exhale of relief. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know if you want to leave your social, but <laughs> so you can find me on Instagram at Come Alive with Chrissy Marie. That's C H R I S S Y Marie. I am on Facebook as well under Chrissy Marie. I don't have a business page. I've just got a personal page that all my content goes under. If you're going to connect with me on Facebook, send me a message just so I know that you heard of me through the podcast and I know why we're adding each other. I have my own podcast called The Art of Aliveness. So you can find that on iTunes, Spotify, and then I have a Facebook group for it. So if you type in The Art of Aliveness and then dash podcast insiders, you can get added to the group and then you'll get live updates in the group as well as you can ask me questions and give me feedback and all of that. Um, if people want to reach out specifically for any offerings that I have, I do one-to-one -one work and I also run a sisterhood, which I am generally, it's, it just opens in January, but since everybody's on quarantine and the ladies are are saying like, this is life changing. Like this, I'm so glad I have this right now. I'm doing a soft opening of the sisterhood. So you can journey some really powerful embodiment and play work with some pretty badass women, uh, if that calls to you. So you can go <sighs> to me, um, you can email me at the art of aliveness at gmail.com, or you can just contact me through any of the, uh, social media outlets. That's so good. That's so good. And we're going to put all of her information, all Chrissy's information in the show notes. So if you were furiously writing down all her stuff and you missed something, you can find it all there. So I just want to close with two closing questions that I ask all my guests. And the first one is, what do you love most about yourself? 
Ooh. So what I love most about myself is my ability to, to hold space for a lot of darkness and pain and to really be able to see most any situation that people could view as traumatic and shameful um, in an empowered light. I think that's mm-hmm. part of my magic and why people work with me is because like the one thing people say is like, oh, I feel like I could tell you anything and like I would yes. never be judged, you know? And so, and, and I don't take it to bed with me either. I think that's something that I, I learned how to do and that I really appreciate about myself is that no matter how intense some, somebody else's experience is, you know, in contact with me, in community with me, it doesn't, uh, doesn't really phase me. To like, I, I've got a really empowered way of kind of alchemizing that for myself and for other people. I love that. I feel like you do just have this soul that has an abundance of space mm-hmm. and you just are able to, I know that I've always felt like I, I could tell you all of my deepest, darkest secrets right now and I would feel so safe. So I love that about you too. And then the last question is, what does joy feel like? Ah. <sighs> Joy for me. I'm going to feel into it right yeah, now. Yeah, please do. <laughs> it feels like um, butterflies going like all the way up the center of my body and like rippling up into my head and then out of my head, like just a crown of butterflies. <laughs> uh, it feels like giggles and bubbles and a babbling brook. It feels light and exciting. Ah, yeah, it feels really open and expansive. <sighs> so good. So good. This has been magical. I am so grateful that you were on here. I'm so excited to share your voice and your spirit with our audience and the world. So thank you so, so much. I appreciate you so much. Oh, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate you too. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you love what you heard, please take a quick second to screenshot this episode and share it with someone that you know would love it. Connecting with you brings sunshine to my soul. So let's continue the conversation on Instagram at joyfullybe. Drop me a message, question, or share your own junk to joy story with me. Remember that joy is contagious. You can help me spread it by leaving a little buzz, aka a review, on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about Cup of Joy, the podcast, and my soulful services, visit cupofjoythepodcast.com. Chat soon.